but when they go through things, they feel like something's wrong. When you face things, when you're facing a trial, you're facing sadness, or you're facing depression, and the pastor don't tell you that. He tells you everything's going to be great. You feel like there's something wrong with me? Because Christians are supposedly supposed to be perfect and have it all together, but I don't. Is something wrong with me? But the truth is we all face things. We all face things. But we don't face them alone. Listen, we get abandoned, but the Bible says the Lord will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. Psalm 27. We get bit by snakes, but it don't kill us. Mark 16, 18. We face storms, but they don't overtake us. We walk through fire, we don't get burned. We walk through the storm, but we don't drown. We walk through rivers, but they don't over overcome us. We face the fire, but we don't get scorched. Yeah, we go through stuff, but they're not going to take you down. They're not going to overtake you. You're not going to die in that valley. You're going to walk through the valley. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will fear no evil. Yeah, I'm in a valley, but guess what? I'm getting through it. But I'm getting through it. Isaiah 43.1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you. This is, this is what the God who created you says. This is what he says. The one who created you. The one who formed you. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When, not if, when. When you pass through the waters, through them. Not if you pass through the waters, not when you drown in the water, but when you pass through the waters. There's going to be some waters that you're going to go through. When? But you're going to go through them. Because the Lord your God who formed you said you would. That's why. I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When, not if, when, you will, you will walk through some fire. But when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. I'm the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, in the Passion, it reads it like this. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but, but quitting is never an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. And we may be knocked down, but guess what? I'm not out. Come on, we get knocked down, we get persecuted, we go through the fires, we go through the floods. That's a reality of Christianity. This is Christians he's talking to. That's a reality. You're going to go through stuff, but guess what? You won't be overcome, you won't be overtaken, you won't die in the valley, you will get through it. We face things, but quitting is never an option. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul went through. Now, this is a man of God, okay? This is a mighty man of God who gave up everything to serve the Lord, everything, and look what he went through. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they servants of Christ? He said, I'm out of my mind to talk like this. He said, but I'm more. He said, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. 
I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. The Apostle Paul, mighty man of God, said, I've been through all of this. I've been beat. I've been stoned. I've been flogged. I've been in prison. I've been abandoned. I've been cold. I've been naked. I've been hungry. But guess what the Apostle Paul never did? He never quit. Never quit. How is it that the Apostle Paul never quit, but yet so many Christians quit on a dime? How is it that the Apostle Paul was able to go through all of this stuff, and yet he kept on pressing on? How is it that he was able to do that, and yet so many Christians, the moment somebody looks at them the wrong way in church, they're ready to walk out. The moment somebody says one word about them, they're ready to quit. Somebody gossip about me, I'm leaving this church. What happened to men of God like that? What happened to men of God that said, I don't care what comes my way, I'm standing? What happened? See, Paul said in Philippians 3, he said, he said, I forget what's behind me, and I press on towards the goal. Paul said, I've, I've done a lot of good things. I've had a lot of bad experience, whatever it was, whatever's the case. I know how to forget what's behind me. I know how to embrace the moment, and I know how to set my eyes on the future. See, Paul was able to shake off despair. Paul was able to shake off discouragement. Paul was able to shake off disappointment. Paul was able to shake off his past and shake off verbal attacks. You see, it's not that we don't go through things as men and women of God, but when we go through things, we've got to learn how to shake it off. My message this morning is called Shake It Off. Shake it off. Sometimes there's just things in this life that you got to learn to just shake off. There's some things people are going to say about you. There's some things you're going to go through. There's some attacks you're going to face that you're going to have to learn to just shake it off. The enemy's going to punch you in the face. We're going to punch back. Like my dad would say, boy, shake it off. <laughs> you got a whipping? Shake it off, boy. Keep going. God's saying that to his church. Yeah, you've been through some stuff. Shake it off. Stop allowing those things to be attached to you. Stop allowing those things to take you down. You weren't meant to be overcome by those things. Shake it off. Shake it off. There are some things in your life this morning that are hindering you and are paralyzing you. And I left it vague for a reason because I don't want to pinpoint one thing and somebody say, well, he really didn't talk about me. No, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is that's attached itself to you. I don't care what it is you're dealing with. I don't care what it is you're facing, past, present, future, whatever it is. Shake it off. Shake it off. It could be thoughts, anxiety, fear, depression, addiction, rejection, insecurity, betrayal. It could be man's words over you, man's words to you. It could be your mistakes, your failures. It could be discouragement, disappointments, and setbacks. Whatever problem, shake it off. And I'm going to show you how to shake it off by looking at an incident that Paul experienced in Acts 27 and Acts 28. Acts 27, the Apostle Paul is a prisoner. He's on a ship heading to Rome. He's got to go stand trial before Caesar. 
While on this ship, they get caught in, in a storm. The hurricane force winds, the Bible says. The ship's being torn apart. Everybody's scared. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're about to lose their life. But an angel visits Paul and tells Paul, Paul, don't fear, because you will stand trial before Caesar and Rome. You see, the angel is pretty much telling Paul, Paul, I don't care how bad the situation looks. God's not through with you yet. I don't care how much, how much the situation around you is falling apart. I don't care, board by board, this boat's coming apart. Guess what, Paul? You will survive. Why? Because God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for you. I don't care what it looks like, Paul. See, the reason why we've been able to survive so many storms in our lives is because God's not done with us yet. The reason why so many storms took down so many of your friends but didn't take you down is because God's not done with you yet. It's because God still has an appointment for you. There's somebody, something you still have to do. And, and guess what? I'm not done until God says I'm done. Not a moment later, not a moment sooner. My life is in the hands of God. And, and the angel told him, don't fear. Why? Because your life is in God's hands. And I don't care how bad the storm looks, you're not going to die until God says it's okay. So you don't fear. Shake all fear. I don't fear death. Why? Because I know my, hand, my life is in the hands of the Almighty. And I know I'm not checking out one minute sooner than what he says. So I shake off fear. I know that God's not done writing my story. If there's still breath in your lungs, there's still a plan for your life. I don't care what it is. I don't care how bad off you are. If your heart's still beating and there's still breath in your lungs, that means God's not done writing your story. So Paul and everybody else on the ship, they make it to land, right? They find out when they get on this land that they're not in Rome. Like Paul, Paul's destination is Rome. Like Paul is supposed to go to Rome. That's where he's heading. That's his direction. That's his future. That's where God told him he would end up at. So Paul gets to the land and he finds out, wait, this is Malta. This isn't Rome. Paul could have been discouraged. Paul could have been upset. What a setback this is. I just spent 14 days at sea. I'm supposed to be in Rome, and yet I'm here. You see, I'm supposed to be there, but I'm here. Paul could have been fixated on a storm he just faced. He could have been discouraged by his setback. But no, Paul shook it off. See, Paul knew how to embrace every situation. Paul knew how to embrace every moment. See, if Paul's in jail, Paul's not complaining about being in jail. Paul's praising in jail. He's worshiping in jail. He's witnessing in jail. If Paul's on a ship that's falling apart, Paul's not scared. Paul's encouraging everybody else on the ship that you're going to get through this. If Paul's on an island called Malta when he's supposed to be in Rome, Paul's not going to sit there and complain and say, no, I'm supposed to be there. Why am I here? No, Paul's going to be used right where he's at. Paul knew how to embrace the moment. He knew how to embrace the situation. You see, we all have Malta experiences. Malta represents the place where you are, not the place you want to be. See, there's places where you want to be, places where you envision your life being by now, but you're not there, you're here. And you got to figure out what you're going to do while you're here. You see, by now, my career should be there, but it's here. By now, my marriage should be there, but it's here. By now, my finances should be there, but I'm here. And we're all going to face Malta experiences, places in your life where you feel like you should be so much further along. It's just a reality. But the question is, is, 
It's not whether or not you will face multiple experiences. It's what are you going to do when you're in multiple? What are you going to do when you find yourself in a place where you feel like you shouldn't be, a situation, a relationship, something where you feel like you shouldn't be, but you're there? What are you going to do? Are you going to complain? Are you going to murmur? Or are you going to embrace the moment? See, wherever God has you, there's a purpose and plan for that. There was a reason for Paul being on Malta. There's a reason why you are where you are. Don't miss any season in your life. No matter where you are, God wants to do something in you and through you. And if all you're doing is complaining and saying, no, but I should be there, I should be so much further along, you're going to miss the moment. You're going to miss the moment. <coughs> Talk about somebody who knows about Malta. When I was putting this message together, I thought about my mom. You talk about a woman who, if you asked 23 years ago where her life would be at today, she would never have said here. She would have never said here. My mother has been sick and dealt with health issues for the last 22 years straight. This wasn't her plan, right? She was planning on Rome, but she's in Malta. My mother had spinal meningitis 17 times, 17 times, had an 11-pound tumor removed. She had blood transfusions every three weeks. I watched my mother. I watched my mother look like she was on her deathbed over and over again. But I watched my mother embrace the moment. I watched a woman who knew how to praise God in the valley when other people I watched couldn't praise him on a mountain. I would stand here on a Sunday morning and I would draw people and try to drag them out of their seats. Come on, we got to worship God. And everything's going good in their life. And I look to the back and I see a woman that can't put her hands down. I watched a woman who would go through Malta after Malta after Malta. And yeah, she wants to be in Rome. But guess what, God? If I'm here, I'm going to be used while I'm here. My mother would tell me, she'd say, son, I don't want to go to the hospital no more. She would look like she was dying. She said, but you know what? She'd say, if I have to go, somebody's going to hear about my Jesus. She'd say, if I'm going to the hospital, guess what? Somebody's going to hear about the glory of my God. That's what you do. Multi experiences are reality. You're going to face multi experiences. You're going to face times in your life where you feel like you shouldn't be here. That's a reality. That's just the truth. I don't want to withhold truth from you. That's the truth. The question is, what are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to blame your past for the reason you see? Paul could have did that. Paul could have said, oh, that captain didn't know how to drive the boat. Oh, that ship should have been better built. No, I'm here. What am I going to do while I'm here? I'm going to serve. What am I going to do while I'm here? I'm going to praise. What am I going to do while I'm here? I'm going to worship. Paul could have missed the moment and said, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not talking to nobody until another ship comes along. You can do that. You can say, I don't want to be in this season of my life. I hate this season of my life. And you can miss it because guess what? If you're there, there's a reason for you being there. God's trying to do something in you in that season. There's something God wants to do in you. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss it. Let's look at the reason why Paul was on that island. Acts 28. Acts 28, verse 1 through 10. Once safely on shore, we find out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. 
When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. He shook it off. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their mind and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayed, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies that we needed. We see Paul on this island now. The islanders are showing him unusual kindness, it says. They build the fire for Paul. Everybody's sitting around this fire. Well, Paul is a servant. Paul's not just going to sit by the fire. Paul's going to put his hands to the plow. Okay, Paul's going to get up. Nobody told him to. Paul got up and went and got some wood. Paul comes back and he goes to throw wood in the fire, not realizing there was a snake in the wood and the snake had been there all along. The moment, there's so much revelation here. The moment when the wood goes on the fire, the snake reveals itself and bites Paul. Now, it bites him on his hand. Everything that happened in the word of God and everything that's recorded is for a reason. Why did it bite him on his hand, not his neck or his chest or his legs? It bit him on his hand. Now, the snake's hanging from his hand. And these same people that were so kind to him, so welcoming to him, now they turn on him. Now they start falsely accusing him. Now they start saying this man is a murderer. And they just sit there and they wait for the man to die. But he don't die. So then they start praising him again. See, Paul can't allow the snake to hang from his hand. Paul didn't just walk around with a snake hanging on his hand. And Paul couldn't entertain what these people were saying about him. See, you can't allow what people say about you to determine your Christianity. Because the same people who are welcoming to you, the same people who are, will say, come on in, we love you so much, are the same people the moment something starts happening in your life are going to start pointing fingers at you and start accusing you and start saying, you must be in sin. Oh, look at your life. It must be falling apart for a reason. And guess what? The moment you don't fall and you keep coming to church, then they're going to say, oh, what a mighty man of God. If you allow people to dictate your Christianity, you're going to be like this because people are like this. But if you, if you fixate your Christianity on Jesus, guess what your life's going to look like? Because he don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You want a consistent walk in Christ? You live for Jesus. I learned that a long time ago. I love people, but I do it all for the glory of God. I've been burnt so many times. If I allow people to be the reason why I do what I do, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I remember a long time ago, I was ready to give up. And the Lord said, if you love me, feed my sheep. I said, Lord, I love these people, but they keep turning on me. They keep biting me. They keep walking out on me. They keep... He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Because my love for him is consistent and his love for me is consistent. And if I do it on that, guess what else is consistent? My life. Yeah, I love people, but I do it all for him. 
So Paul has to shake this thing off. See, there are things that are going to attach themselves to you. That if you don't shake off, they're not going nowhere. There's things that are going to attach to you mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and verbally that you must shake off before they kill you. And I want to show you three things that will bring out the vipers in your life. And I want to show you how, how to shake them off. The first thing that's going to bring out the vipers in your life is Malta. Malta means refuge. The second thing that's going to bring out the vipers in your life is sitting by the fire. And the third thing that's going to bring out the vi vipers in your life is when you start feeding the fire. Now, vipers come in many shapes and sizes, many different forms. They can come in the form of people. They can come in the form of thoughts, anxiety, or addictions. Vipers come in all shapes and sizes. You see, but the moment you find a place of refuge, see, that refuge is Christ. The moment you find a place of refuge, the vipers that have been there your whole life will reveal themselves to you. I've had people in my life, my whole life, friends for 23 years, thought they had my best interest, thought they would for me. The moment I told them that I found refuge in a person called Christ, the moment I told them that I was serving Christ, I was putting my life in his hands, guess what they did? They started biting. They've been there the whole time. That snake was there. That snake was there the whole time. But it didn't reveal itself until that moment. And guess what they, how they're going to strike you verbally? They're going to try to talk you out of your decision for Christ. They're going to try to make you think that what you're doing is foolishness. Don't give your life to Jesus. And guess what? The moment you keep standing, you know what else they're going to do? Then they're really going to bite you. They're going to turn on you, mock you, reject you, and rebuke you. The same people that you once said you loved and had your back forever, guess what? They'll reveal themselves as vipers. The moment you start sitting by the fire, and guess what that is? A Holy Spirit-filled church. The moment you start sitting by a fire, the moment you join a church that's spirit-filled, you can go join a Catholic church all you want. Nobody can tell you nothing. But you go into a church that's got some fire in it, you go into a church that starts praying in the Holy Ghost, guess what? People are going to start mocking you. People are going to start rejecting you and rebuking you. And guess what else? The moment you start feeding that fire, the moment you say, you know what, this place has a little fire in it. You know what, I see this, I see this fire is bringing light to a lot of people. It's warming a lot of cold hearts. I want to actually put my hand to the plow. See, I want to serve here. Vipers are coming. Vipers are coming. When I began to re research poisonous snakes, I found out some of the symptoms of getting bit by one. The first symptom is paralysis. See, when a, snake, a poisonous snake bites you, it will paralyze you and stop you dead in your tracks. That's what these attacks on your life are trying to do to you. They want to stop you. They want you to run from the fire. They want to paralyze you and keep you from doing anything for Jesus. So you can sit by the fire. You can go, go sit in church, occupy that chair, but don't do nothing. Because the moment you decide to put your hands up, you're going to get struck. And see, if you get bit while serving, that's the worst thing. I've seen it time and time again, and so I'm warning you right now. The moment you decide to put your hands to the plow, you're going to get bit. And you know what happens? People say, man, every time I feel like I start serving around this place, I get bit. Every time I decide to be a life group leader, every time I decide to be a prayer leader, every time I decide to put my hands to the plow and bring wood and put it on the fire, I get bit. And the whole point is, is it wants to paralyze you. 
You see, because if you get bit while serving, you know what you're going to say? I don't want to do this no more. I'm tired of getting bit. I'm tired of every time I sacrifice my life and give my life to serve, I'm tired of people gossiping about me. I'm tired of people turning on me. I'm tired of people rejecting me. So I'm not doing nothing. For now on, I'm just going to sit in the chair. And if you do that, you're playing in the devil's scheme. That's the point of the bite. That's the reason why he allowed that attack on you is because he wants to stop you. He don't want you serving. He doesn't want you progressing. He doesn't want you advancing. So you need to say, you know what? Yeah, I got bit, but I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to shake it off in the fire, devil, and I'm going to get some more wood because you are not going to stop me. <laughs> but a devil wants you hurt and wounded so bad and so offended. How many people leave the church because they're wounded? If you leave the church or if you leave Jesus because you're wounded and you're offended, you just allowed the devil to have his way with you. I, I see it. I see it coming. When people start serving, I tell them right off the bat, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard yourself, and show them they come to me. I don't want to serve no more. And I'm like, what happened? I smile because I've done hurt it a thousand times. Every time I serve, this person said this, and that person said that, I was like, all right, shake it off. Forgive them. Let it go. <laughs> Bring it to God. Let it go. Are you going to let that stop you? Well, yeah, I just don't want to do it no more. Are you serious? You're really going to let somebody dictate whether or not you're going to serve Jesus? You're really going to let another human being stop you from serving the Lord? Shake it off, man. The second symptom of a snake bite is numbness. You see, people's words are like venom that can cause hearts to become hard and numb. They can cause you to lose feeling. They can cause you to lose your love for people. But you got to shake it off and keep going. Because that's what Jesus did for us. No matter how many times we rejected Jesus in our life, no matter how many times we mocked Christ, no matter how many times we, we, we tried to do things without him, sinned against him, he, he kept loving he kept pursuing. He kept forgiving. He's our example. People are going to reject you. You can't, you can't let it cause numbness. You can't let it cause your heart to get cold. You see, they say when you get bit, whatever place you get bit, I want you to hear this, whatever place you get bit, you need to keep it away from your heart. If you get bit on your hand, it says you got to keep it at or below the level of your heart, because if not, the poison will spread to your heart. People are going to strike you. People are going to offend you. They're going to hurt you. But your job is to keep it away from your heart. The Bible says guard your heart. Why? Because out of it flows the wellspring of life. Everything flows from your heart. And if you allow what people say to you and do to you to get to this place right here, you're done for. Once you get cold and you get hard and you get numb, God can't use you. God can't use a hard heart. God can't use a cold heart. You got to keep that thing away from your heart. <laughs> the best thing you could do is shake it off. Now, all the sites say this. All the research says that trying to suck out the poison does absolutely nothing. Does nothing. So why is it that every time we get bit, we run to people to try to help us. 
Why is it every time somebody offends me, I'm going to go run to Jamie? Jamie, let me tell you what this person just did to me. This person just did this, this, this. And guess what? When I'm done talking, I'm still upset. I'm still hurt. That didn't help me at all. So then I'm going to run to Amanda. Amanda, let me tell you what this person did about me. That, 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 that. I'm still hurt. I'm still offended. I'm still upset. It does nothing. See, Paul didn't run to the islanders. Paul has a snake on his hand. He didn't say pull it off. He didn't try to pull it off himself. You know what he did? He went to the fire. The Bible says that our God is an all-consuming fire. If something bites you and strikes you, the place you need to bring it is right here. And you need to let God take it off of you. Shake it off. Now, the one thing it did say, though, is it won't do you any good to have somebody try to suck out the poison. And it's not dangerous unless that person has an open wound in their mouth. It's not going to do any harm unless the person trying to suck at the poison has an open wound. Why is it? Why is it that so many Christians, the moment they get bit by somebody, the moment they get offended by somebody, they look for somebody who's got an open wound? Why is it that if Jeremy offended me, I'm going to find somebody in the church that has an open wound from Jeremy? Oh, he offended her. Can I tell you what Jeremy did me? Can I tell you what Jeremy did me? It's not going to do me any good. She's not going to help me, but you know what's going to happen? It's going to kill her. Because that poison is going to spread to her because she already has an open wound. Why is it that we always go to people who already were infected by somebody? Why is it we always go to somebody? Why? Because we think that they'll agree with us? Because they can relate? Because you've been offended too? You know what she needs to say to me? I can't help you with that. You need to bring that to the altar. You need to bring that to the fire of God and shake it off because I can't help you. best thing you could tell that person is forgive them, forget it, shake it off. Now, one of the things they say, now you're going to like this, one of the things they say about poisonous snakes is that you shouldn't have them as pets. Right? I feel like they shouldn't even have that in there. Like, isn't that just common sense? Like, you just shouldn't have, like, who is actually playing with poisonous snakes? Christians. Christians, got poisonous snakes all around their house spiritually, and they're playing with them. I mean, we look at that and we laugh at that in the, in, the, in the natural, right? Like, who would have poisonous snakes? But in the spiritual, the enemy's laughing at us like, how stupid. Y'all got poisonous snakes all around your house. Like, should a pastor really have to stand up there and tell you that? Should a pastor really have to stand up there and tell you that you shouldn't have poisonous snakes spiritually around your house? Like, should I really have to tell you that the poison on the TV and the poison on the radio and the poison in the bottle should not be in your house? Like, do I really have to stand up here and tell you that? How many times you got to get bit by those drugs? How many times you got to get bit by that alcohol? Do I really have to tell you that pornography shouldn't be in your house? That's poison. You know what people say, though, when they talk about poison? Talk about snakes or alcohol. I can handle it. I know how to handle my liquor. I know how to handle that snake. Let me tell you something, that same snake that's biting you is going to bite your children. If you don't get that snake out of your house, that same snake that's biting you is going to bite your children. That same addiction that's falling on you is going to fall on your children. You better get the poison out of your house. Stop thinking you can handle it. Stop thinking you can handle those snakes, that poison. Stop thinking it. If you don't want to see your children dealing with that same poison and those same snakes, you better get rid of them today. I want to read the rest of the story so I can show you how it ends, and I'm, then I'm going to close. 
Acts 28, verse 7 through 8. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. Remember I told you what that snake bit his hand? That's a revelation. Snakes will always bite what God plans on using. Snakes always bite what God's planning on using. Snakes will bite you. They will bite your children. They will bite your marriage. They will bite ministries. And they bite ministers. You know why? Because God has a plan for your marriage. God has a plan for you. He's got a plan for your children. He's got a plan for this ministry. And he's got a plan for me. Snakes will always bite what God's planning on using. So you got to shake it off because God can't use something that still has a snake attached to it. Now, when that snake bit Paul, everybody's waiting and watching for Paul to fall. Isn't that just like the devil? Isn't that just like people? The devil throws things our way, trials and tribulations and temptations and loss, and he takes things, and he's a thief, and he's a robber, and he's a murderer, and he's all around us, and he's killing people around us, and he's harming people around us, and he's, he's tempting us every day. And, and every time he strikes, he sits back and he watches to see if you're going to fall. People do stuff to us, say stuff to us. They try to bring pressure on us because they want us to walk away from Jesus. And every time, they sit back and they wait for us to fall. Strike after strike, they wait and they wait and they wait and we stand and we stand and we stand. And the Bible says when you've done all you can to stand, stand some more. See, I've been bit, but I'm still standing. Yeah, I've suffered loss, but I'm still standing, devil. And if you're waiting for me to fall, you're going to wait a long time. I'm still standing. I've been attacked. I've gone through so much temptation, it would blow your mind. But I'm still standing. And I'm going to stand as long as the Lord gives me breath to stand. Guess what? He is the sustainer of my life. I live because he lets me live. And I am going to stand on his word, and I'm going to stand for his truth, and I'm going to stand in this world, and I am going to shout and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. I will stand. I will stand. You see, your marriage has been attacked, but it's still standing. This ministry has been attacked, but it's still standing. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your flesh, your finances, even your children have been attacked, but you're still standing. You need to learn to tell that devil, I'm still standing. You waiting for me to fall, and it ain't going to happen. I've been bit. I've been mocked. I've been knocked down. I've been kicked. I've been exalted so high, and I've been brought down so low, but I'm standing. That's all I know how to do these days is just stand for God. Paul survived that storm because God wasn't done with him. And if you're still alive and you're still standing, it's because God still has a purpose for your life. Amen? Stand with me. Stand up. <coughs> Mm 
Glory be to God, church. I pray you receive that word. I'm going to seal that word. In. There are some things this morning that you know. See, I, I preach vain because I allow them for the Holy Ghost. As I'm preaching, God is showing things. God's revealing things. He's showing you things you got to shake off. He's showing you things that are going to paralyze you. He's showing you things that have spoken to you that you got to shake off. People you got to forgive. Things you got to let go. Things you just got to shake off. We all have things we got to shake off. Stop letting that devil make 